and welcome to another episode of Three Night Bender, where we talk all things Orlando, and we are specifically talking about UCF football and some of the other sports that are going on in Orlando. Um, as always, I am Hauser. I'm joined with you uh, by Boozas, who's over here to my right. What's good? And we have a special guest today, uh, former UCF player Aaron Evans. Uh, he's an O-lineman from 2013 to 2017, played on some of the best He's going to be with us on the show today, and we're going to talk to him a little bit at the end of the show as well and get, shoot some questions to him and talk about his, uh, his current career of, of uh, art. Um, how you doing there, Evan, or Aaron? Excuse me. I'm doing great, man. It's, uh, happy to be on the show today. We're happy to have you, man. Thank you for joining us. And as yeah, always, yeah. yeah, we always uh, do this thing I, uh, where we at start the beginning of the show where we're, we drink a beer. So I don't know if you have a beer over there, Aaron. I know you're working on some artwork as we speak, but um, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to let uh, Booz- Boozos introduce what we're going to be drinking today. So All right. So uh, yeah, cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Well, when we had our morning show, uh, I think, was it last week that we did the morning show? Yep. The week? Okay. Yeah. So last week we had a Sideward Brewing uh, cold brew coffee. So I'm sticking with mm-hmm. the same brewery. We're actually going to be doing Sideward Brewing. Citronaut. So it's actually mm. it's a really cool um, citrus I- I- IPA uh, brewed right here in Central Florida, right down the road off Robinson and Bumby, I believe, is where the brewery is located. And it's got an awesome mural of a skeleton citronaut. So it combines the mascot of Sideward Brewing with the original mascot of UCF, the citronaut. So here it's Ooh. really, really good. It's sold out. Actually, it came out about like I think a month or two ago. And it immediately sold out from their uh, from the brewery. You couldn't get your hands on it, so they brought it back wow. about a week or two ago. So excited to give this thing a try! All right, well, let's go. Cheers! 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 <laughs> all right, I'm not a big IPA fan, so I'm hoping that this isn't all that bad. It is what it is. Mm. Well, that's not bad at all. That's not as hoppy as I expected. I could drink that. Well, yeah. you know, we're we're doing our show here. We're uh, you know not really working, but I guess technically working but uh aaron you're working as well right you're actually working on a mural as we speak yeah i don't know i guess it's work i think it's just fun i'm having a blast right now <laughs> no that's awesome hey when you when when you when work is fun you don't work a day in your life that's the old adage so it's pretty awesome that's, that's the truth all right well let's get right into it we're going to talk ucf football news um the big news of the week is we have gotten inducted into a bowl we are going to be at the Gasparilla Bowl. The bad boy lawnmowers. Yeah. Bad. Gasparilla Bowl. Get it right. You Sorry. Need know that. You need to know who the sponsor is. Well, I hope the, I hope everyone gets a, uh, a lawnmower as like the gift that they give the, the players. <laughs> the kids. Yeah, yeah. Instead of PlayStations, you get lawnmowers. And uh, our opponent, not really the opponent that everyone was hoping for, we are going to be playing Marshall, the Thundering Herd. Um, the date is going to be Monday, December 23rd. It's a 2.30 game, I believe. or maybe I believe so as well. I know it's afternoon. Okay, so it'll be a noon game on a day where people are still working, maybe. <laughs> but uh, Two days but, before Christmas. I mean, that's the only bad thing. I was kind of really excited, but knowing the date, not, not, not to get, I mean, you know, everyone would take off for a, a Friday or Saturday bowl anyway, or if it was a January 1st bowl, people would still take off of work. But just a couple of days right before Christmas makes it a little harder. Yeah, so that... Yeah. What what's the mindset like that, Aaron? When you're going into a bowl game, I mean, I, you've been to what three or four of them. What what's yeah. what's that like a, that that month? Uh, it's a weird experience because like you're you're transitioning from the season, um, <clears throat> like all the all your goals for the season. So you're kind of processing the the season itself, and then you get all this like grandiose um, exposure and publicity from the bowls, 
Um, it's, it's just nice as a player, though. It's, it's like you get to reap your rewards of the season, you know. You had a successful season, you get a – it's just a cool reward to have at the end of the year, I think. I think so, too. So, and so I know a lot of fans are obviously disappointed because – Marshall's our opponent. A lot of people were hoping for a P5 opponent because, you know, you had an opportunity for a mid-tier ACC team like an FSU or Miami, rumors of possibly Virginia Tech. Um, but, you know, we get with Marshall, who has a good history with UCF. They've been uh, in two conferences that we were in because I believe they were in the MAC with us way back in the early 2000s, and they joined Conference USA with us. And mm-hmm. big moment for us because after losing – a, I believe it was like a, an NCAA leading 17 games in a row. We break the streak beating Marshall. And uh, when we talked to Stephen Moffat a couple weeks ago and did an interview with him, he mentioned that was his big highlight moment, being on the team that broke the streak beating Marshall. So for those uh, for those fans who are a little bit newer to you know UCF success and are a little disappointed, it's at least an opponent we do have some history on. So, I mean, it's a group of five school, but you know we're a group of five school too. You know That's what happens when you lose three games. Unfortunately, you don't get the best pickings. You kind of get to get what you get, and you don't throw a fit. As uh, as Todd's yeah. fiance loves to uh, loves to preach. So with that said, I think it should be a pretty good matchup, and we shouldn't be sleeping on them because they're a pretty solid football team. No. I mean, every, it depends on the mindset. I mean, every year, like or at the end of the year, you, you have a group of guys that just don't care, or you got guys that really want to show out. So I think you can expect anything. Right, and I, I agree with you 100%. If, uh, if the players go in thinking, oh, we've got Marshall and not really thinking it's a big game and, and a big end of the year, you know, uh, a thing that they can turn out and get a big win, then, you know, things happen and, and teams that aren't supposed to lose to other teams end up losing. So I think UCF is a heavy favorite in this game, but like you said, anything can happen. Um, we are missing some players for that game. I know we've got one that's uh, already declared for the draft. Uh, Gabe Davis is is not going to be at that game. We've got Quandry Jones, who's uh, one of our quarterbacks, who has already entered the uh, transfer portal. So we we you know he's seen limited action this year anyway, but I don't think he'll be available. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a different dynamic. I don't know if Marshall's uh, suffering from some of those same things, but what are some of the players that Marshall has that? Uh, there's some standout players, Buzos. Well, I just want to also make a mention that uh, Brandon Wimbush also came out and said that he won't be participating in the bowl. He's yeah. going to be focusing on the draft. So I know he obviously wasn't like a key focal point of this offense, and, which is unfortunate because he had so much hype coming from Notre Dame for this season. And he actually, you know, he, he came in, he had the starting job at first, and you know, wish him the best with his uh, with his dream of pursuing an NFL career. So that's going to be pretty awesome. Uh, but yeah, he won't be playing either. So just a note of that. Um, so as far as Marshall goes, uh, they I mean eight wins. Uh, they had a couple close. They had a close one with Boise when Boise was ranked in the top twenty-five. They, they went down to the wires fourteen to seven. So uh, the fact that they can compete, keep up with the top twenty-five team should put us on notice that it's not going to be an easy victory. Um, they've lost to a couple teams that were surprising as well. They had a loss to a seven and five Charlotte late in the year, and when they had a kind of a little bit of a of a skid where they lost three or four games, they also lost to a four and eight Middle Tennessee. So. Definitely a team that is, they're young. A lot of freshmen and sophomores that played, a couple of juniors. Um, the key players for their team, we got a quarterback that we should be you know, somewhat worried about. He's a sophomore named Isaiah Green. Um, threw for almost 60% completion percentage, 2,200 yards, 14 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. So, you know, he's also an athletic kid. He's rushed the ball for almost 300 yards and 4 touchdowns. So we have to be aware of that because that threw fits for us. The teams that we struggled against in the regular season were teams with mobile quarterbacks. Tulsa had a mobile quarterback. Cincinnati had a mobile quarterback. And um, Pitt 
when after uh, Pickett got hurt, the backup came in was a mobile quarterback. So that seems to be something that our defense needs to be, you know, prepping for. And which again, kind of disappointing that we won't have Brandon Wimbush or Quandre Jones, both very mobile quarterbacks that can simulate that at practice for the next few weeks. Um, but also, they got a really good running back in Brendan Knox, who's almost run for 1,300 yards and 11 touchdowns. I mean, anytime you can break the 1,000-yard mark in college football, you don't get 16 games like in the NFL. You get 12 in the regular season. So he's averaging over 100 yards rushing per game. Um, got some kids with, with a lot of scrimmage yards. They have this one kid, Xavier Gaines, who has about 200 yards rushing and 300 yards receiving. So kind of an, a good two-way player for them that can catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, but for the most part, they don't have like any real deep threat, scary receivers. They've kind of spread the ball out a lot, and they, they kind of grind out their games. Um, they average about 25 points a game versus 23 points given up on defense. So you know they've gotten lucky a couple games. That's why they're eight and four instead of being six and six. But uh, definitely someone that if you take lightly, and you know we're a lot of team Super Bowl. We had so much exposure the last two years. You, you know you go through two undefeated seasons. We're a lot of we've got a huge bullseye on our back because we talked the talk, and this year we didn't walk the walk. So anyone who can get an opportunity to knock us off is going to go for it. So uh, that's my breakdown of Marshall. Okay, so for UCF, you know we've got the usual suspects that we're aware of, but we're going to be missing a, a, a big part of our wide receiver, uh, Gabe Davis. So who who for UCF may step up and and have a big game, or somebody who might be a key in this game for UCF. Um, I look for uh, Harris, the receiver. I don't know if you heard the news, but he was actually awarded another year, which is pretty awesome because he was going to be graduating this year. So the fact he gets another year to play football for UCF is amazing. Um, so I can see him stepping up because he has some huge catches for us over the regular season. So I'm excited at the prospect of him getting another year with Trey Nixon and Marlon Williams. I mean, three guys that should be stepping up with Gabe Davis, unfortunately, um, moving on towards his NFL career, which is amazing. Uh, I'm wishing the best of luck. I hope he's a day, a day one or two pick and he can go in the top three rounds as opposed to being a, a later receiver. But um, I also look for the, def- the running backs to kind of step up a bit. I mean, we're going to be it's going to be the last game for Adrian Killens. He's given no indication that he's not going to play that game. I think he will. So it should be a, a highlight show for him. He should have a highlight reel. This is one of those games that he can really put NFL teams on notice as an undrafted free agent because I don't expect him to go in the top seven. He could easily be a third-day pick in the later rounds uh, based on his size. I think it's going to hurt him the most, but he's fast as hell. He's mm-hmm. the fastest kid in college football, so... I think he has an opportunity to really show everybody what he's about and can sign with the team immediately after the draft if he's not drafted. Um, and then you get uh, Greg McRae coming back from injury, who should be 100% healthy. you got Ventavious, who wants to show the world that you know he can be the next lead back after McRae's gone. So I expect those two groups to really have a showing this year, or th- this bowl game. All right. And, uh, you know, predictions for the game. I think Vegas has it as UCF as a as – a- three touchdown favorite or you know two and a half touchdown favorite but uh you have any uh wild predictions for this game or, or how it's going to go with the um, situation uh, see what freaks me out is we are horrible against the spread this year so i we might be three touchdown favorites by vegas but i'm not going to take that i take that with a grain of salt because we've been big favorites by multiple teams and could and couldn't cover the spread of you know three and a half where we win by one so yeah i I expect UCF to win. I think it should be a fairly competitive game. I'm going to kind of give a score in the range of like a 38-28, where I think Marshall will get a couple scores. I think our defense, you know, may come out the gates a little slow. We seem to be a second-half defensive team where, you know, we have good spurts when Randy Shannon gets a second-half adjustments going, and we can uh, actually shut down a team because he actually starts scouting at that point. But with that said, I I don't expect it to be a total blowout. I think this is going to be a team that – 
wants to end with a nine-win season. You know, Marshall has been very up and down the last decade. They haven't been um, the, t- the team that they were in the early 2000s when they were pumping out some nine- and ten-win seasons. So I foresee a close game in the sense that, you know, it's, it's not going to be the Vegas score. I think we win by about ten. All right. Uh, Aaron, you got any uh, predictions about the game or how you think it might go? Um, I, I, I just, I'm afraid this group of guys might be complacent after all the stuff going on with like players leaving and stuff it could okay. cause a big distraction. So, um, I'm not really sure. I think it's up in the air, but I mean, I mean this is just a, this is an obvious answer, I guess, but no, if you guys come ready to go. It'll be, it'll be fine. We'll be fine. We should put up a good game and good tape and everyone should leave happy. But, um, again, the guys piddle around at practice until until then and don't take it seriously it's going to be a, a mess <laughs> yeah well that's good insight i mean you've been you've been on the inside we're speculating from the outside but you you know how players leaving can affect the team or how the attitude of the opponent you know can really change how the team practices um you know i we all want to believe that hypo's going to have them ready and, and geeked up and and uh that's all going to carry on but we, we know that players are humans as well, and, and they mm-hmm. see who they're playing. They see what the fans are posting on Twitter, and, you know, that, like you said, that, that may lead to them being complacent. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But I think they'll be fine, honestly. We have a lot of talent on the team, so it's just just reconnecting some of the missing links, like Gabe leaving and stuff, and um, filling those spots with good players, like you said, Jacob Harris. Right. Um, but we'll be fine. Very good. And – uh so some other interesting news we've been reading about lately, you know, as far as players leaving and players staying, there's, uh, you know, there's a rumor that uh, DJ Mack may be going somewhere else and we wouldn't blame him for that. But, you know, the latest rumor is he is uh, set to stay for for next year. And I, I think that's a great choice for him. Um, you know, we'd obviously support him no matter what he does, but uh, I think he can help us immensely. We only really are going to have one QB on the roster coming back next year if you discount Milton and you and you think Mack is leaving. So that helps us quite a bit. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on, on DJ Mack? So, uh, I mean, I think if he stayed, it's obviously because we saw him at the basketball game again, <laughs> NGIT, and we shook his hand and said that we wanted him to stay and we loved him. So if he does indeed stay, three-night bender gets all the credit. Yeah. Um, but with that said, I think it's kind of what you just mentioned. He, we talked last show that he burned his red shirt when he was a freshman. So if he decides he's going to leave, um, unfortunately, it's going to put him in a position where he's going to have to sit a year. On the flip side, if he stays here at, at UCF, he gets an opportunity to play for play next year, and then okay, he can listen. be a grad transfer. I don't know. And if he transfers at a, as a graduate student, he gets the opportunity to um, you know, play immediately when he goes to his new school, which would be amazing. So I think it's a really it's a good it's a good situation for him because if he's going to stay. It means you got Milton possibly coming back, so that takes snaps away from him. You've got, uh, you know, um, our current, you know, Harold Young, amazing Prince, and uh, Dylan Gabriel, who is obviously <laughs> going to be, a, 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 you know, a uh, an unredshirted sophomore. He's going to be a true sophomore. So I think that he knows his snaps are going to be limited, and why waste an entire year when he could? I mean, all it's, it takes one play. One play and we lose our quarterback, and then he's the man. Because unless Milton's coming back, which we've both discussed, our, our feelings are that there's a really good chance that he's not going to come back. Um, and if he does, he won't be the same player due to the nature of his injury. Uh, I think it's a really smart move for DJ, and I foresee – I mean, I, I think I was the first one to say I think he was going to leave. But knowing that we have Quandry leaving and that puts him in a, in a position to get playing time, 
a lot more than he possibly was this year, I think that it would be a good move for him because, like, like you just said, he can finish out his classes over the next couple semesters, transfer as a graduate student, play right away at another school, and really showcase his arm and his talent to be, you know, possibly, hopefully, an NFL quarterback one day. Yeah, uh, you know, on a different note, we got some news today that Coach Levy is going to be gone. He's going to be joining Coach Kiffin's uh, team over at Ole Miss. Um, Aaron, I know you've probably worked with Coach Levy or at least talked to him. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that's a big loss. What do you, what do you think about Coach Levy leaving? Um, honestly, I honestly don't have that much of an opinion on the matter. Okay. Um, I mean, I hope – I don't know. I don't know enough about it to, I think, give a good opinion. Okay. But, um, but and, I mean, political answer would be, <laughs> I hope, I hope it goes well for him. I hope <laughs> I'm sure, <laughs> I hope, like, I genuinely, I think we'll, we'll find the next guy that's best for the role and, um, and we'll be okay. We'll just keep humming as long as the culture at UCF remains the same, you know? Amen yeah. to that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, look at this roster when you see you have a, a, a kid that came in and is a top 10 quarterback in the nation in multiple categories as a freshman. You've got a stacked receiver group, a stacked uh, running back group, a, a deep and, and very talented offensive line group. Why the heck wouldn't you want to come to UCF, UCF as an offensive coordinator? That's to me that we're we're definitely an offensive destination. So I I, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Coach Lebby's a good coach. He obviously was on some great staffs at Baylor, and unfortunately, you know, they had the, the scandals that they did that he on, ha, has to deal with being as part of his name for whether he was or wasn't a part of anything. Um, but, you know, he has the opportunity to go to a Power 5 school, which is pretty awesome. I mean, he's going to be a part of a good coaching staff with Kiffin, who's a pretty solid football coach. Who I read an article that the only reason he's going there is to try to screw over Nick Saban and beat him and, you know, keep him out of the playoffs. So anytime you can take it to Coach Saban, I'm all about that. So uh, I think it's pretty hysterical. But another news, I know you're going to also – it's in the notes, but, you know, with him leaving, unfortunately, he had a kid decommit who he was recruiting pretty heavily in Sam Brown. Right, and uh, you know he got an offer from Ole Miss today. So yeah, almost immediately after <laughs> Coach Levy's Twitter account suddenly goes blank and doesn't have UCF on it, so yeah. you know, and which just a little insight on recruiting. Uh, we got a you know Division One recruit here that knows, but you know when coaches transfer, I mean a lot of kids they get attached to their coaches that they're being recruited by. They want to play for that guy. So you know some fans are on Twitter, you know, hip and hollering and yelling, and they're mad that you know we're being quote unquote poached. But that's kind of the business of college football. You know, when you're an athlete, you want to go play for a coach that's, you know, bringing you in. And I'll be quite frank, you know, playing in the SEC is a little bit different than playing in the American. So I don't, you know, I don't have any ill will to any players that do decide to leave. I hope they stay, obviously. But, you know, Sam Brown kind of decommitting and possibly looking at greener paths. And, and there's no saying that he's not going to stay at UCF anyway because there's a lot to think about too. You know, Ole Miss might get four more receivers committed to them in the next 48 hours and he changes his mind. So there's that too. Yeah, we've got that uh, December 18th date looming, early signing day. So mm-hmm. we'll know a lot more about what our recruiting class is going to look like on that date. A um, couple other notes here. Mark Pitts, who's an old lineman, has recently decommitted, right? Where's he from? Yeah, he's from uh, Buholtz up in Gainesville. He decommitted on Monday. Okay. And uh, Zion Jackson, who was a, uh, a Seminole guy who was coming in, he, he de- decommitted back in the spring. Uh you know, he's still up in the air. I don't, I don't know the situation with him, but right now he's not going to be coming to UCF either. He's a big UCF fan. He was at as many games as he could be at and mm-hmm. was good friends with guys like Gabe Davis and his little brother who we're going to be having here next year. So 
uh, you know, those are some guys we're going to miss, but we're going to get some other great ones and, and replace them. So, you know, the it's like a bucket of water. If you're, if you're missing from the bucket, the water's all going to fill in, and it's going to be a great team next year. No matter what, we're going to find the right guys, and we're going to make them the right guys. So this UCF team is uh, is rolling, baby. So we're good with that. What yeah. about uh, – what about Levy? Who's who's like some choices that we might have who could replace Levy? Uh, I mean, that's a really good question. I mean, on staff, um, you know, I'm trying to think what other coaches we got on staff that we can kind of move around. I mean, you have Greg Ellerby, who's obviously been with Hypo for years, so he might be a candidate that can take over and, and, and call plays or, you know, at least run the offense because we know right now Coach Hypo is the play caller, um, and I don't foresee that changing no matter how much fans hate it mm-hmm. or what they hate about it. I think that our offense was limited for a reason this year. Which it obviously towards the end of the year, I think we definitely opened up the play calling quite a bit. So I think we can see some changes just naturally evolving when you have a freshman growing and you grow before our eyes over the last few games. So I think that uh, we could look inside the staff, or you know, we could look for some other cats out there. And, and I mean, I wish I had a long a laundry list of you know good OCs to be going for. Well, but. Bryles is the name that that comes up that won't happen, but you know he would be interesting because they're kind of the same guy, Lebby and Bryles. And they kinda, aren't they, they're cousins, aren't they? They're cousins. Yeah. They they run the same similar offense. Uh, Bryles has been around to Houston. He was at FSU last year, but uh, and he played. He was he was the OC at year. FAU a couple years ago, wasn't he? Yes, with yeah. Kiffin. So he's he's got some experience. Uh, uh, you know, he's he's part of that Baylor package that uh, is kind of the offense that we're running now. So that'd be good to get him in. But you know, the the genius thing is 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 we've the last few years we found the coaches that are right for the job, and I I have total faith in you know in Heupel and Danny White to to find the right guy to be on staff and to to fill in where 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 people are left. So I think we'll be okay there. Let's uh let's move on here. Let's go on to college football news. Um, not a lot to say about it, but. The uh, the college football playoffs prediction or the playoffs the final standings were uh, they came out LSU was one Ohio State two Clemson three and Oklahoma four so we've got two semifinal games LSU and Oklahoma and Ohio State and Clemson uh, what do you think about those games Buzas I mean it's kind of what to be expected we talked about that on the last episode of you know the chaos that could ensue depending on college uh, the conference finals weekend yeah um, and a lot of the chaos didn't happen didn't happen the, the teams that we thought were going to win won, except for Utah Utah was upset by Oregon if you want to call it an upset I mean Oregon wasn't that far I think they were I think Utah was like a three and a half point favorite so it wasn't like it was a total you know crap show or Utah crap the bed they did I mean they had the opportunity with Oklahoma possibly or not Oklahoma sorry um, Georgia losing to hop up into the playoff and get the Pac-12 in for the first time in I think three or four years so it's unfortunate for them but Oklahoma took care of business in overtime and I think it's the four that should be in there I mean those are the four best teams in America you got arguably one of the greatest college football players today in uh uh, for Oklahoma's quarterback Jalen Hurts, who's going to be in the playoff, you've got Justin Fields, who's one of the best football players in college football, who's in who's in the area. Trevor Lawrence. I mean, the four best quarterbacks are playing in the playoff. That should tell you everything about college football and what's happening. So, um, I think it should be a fun playoff, that's for sure. And I believe three of those four players, actually, all four of the players going to New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony are in the playoff. Wow. Because you got Justin Burrow, you got Justin Fields, you've got Chase Young, who's a defensive end for Ohio State as well. And then you've got Jalen Hurts. So the four Heisman candidates are all playing for a national title, which is, you know, kind of what you'd expect. Yeah, I mean, they definitely got it right. It, it pains me, though, because I want these things to go wrong for playoff expansion reasons. But it's definitely the top four teams that are in this year. Um, these are the right guys to be playing. They're going to be exciting semifinals and finals. So that, that'll be something to watch. 
Um, other college football news, we touched on it earlier. Lane Kiffin is taking over at Ole Miss, so he will no longer be at FAU. But FAU filled their coaching spot. and yeah. good old Taggart. <laughs> Willie Taggart. Wet Willie is joining FAU. That's interesting. I didn't I actually I didn't see that coming at all. I, I kind of expected FAU to you know go for maybe an offensive coordinator or something from a from a p5 school and try to give them the chance to go up to a you know to, to fill that role and, and to grow in that program but they get a, a pretty good coach in taggart i mean he knows florida very well he recruits south florida very well he's finally in south florida it mm-hmm. took him you know <laughs> it took him over a decade to get there but he's finally in actual south well, he florida. thought he was there a few years ago and then he realized that he's actually in west florida but. yeah the university of <laughs> south central florida if that's what you want to call it well, as long as we're talking about it, we might as well talk about their new coach as well. Jeff, uh, uh, I believe his name is Jeff Scott, correct? Jeff Scott. Yeah. He's a uh, one of the offensive coordinators at Clemson. Mm-hmm. He will be coaching through the playoffs, so they may miss out on some recruiting opportunities because of that. But, um, you know, I think he's the right hire. I, I, as, as much as I despise USF, I kind of, in the back of my mind, want them to be good and for us to ruin their success. That's, like, I want them to be so hyped up when they get to us. So it's more justifiable. Yeah. Exactly. When you, when you no, beat them, it, it feels great. It's, like it's more satisfying. It's like some ninja warrior thing. Like, oh, yeah. It's more, honor, it's, it's more honorable this way. Well, that, exactly. That two, 2017 game was like, you know, that's, that's a game that's going to go down in history. Yeah. And it wasn't a great game because, you know, they were 2-10. Two and, two and It was a great game because we were both – you know, ten and ten and zero, or they were ten and one. I think we were eleven and zero. And I think so, yeah. And I mean, the winner went to the to the championship game, so it was a huge game with huge implications. Um, you need a good rival, and uh, as much as I I like to give you know crap to all my USF friends and and uh, especially the game, I like to get on the guys as they walk by. Um, I want them <laughs> to be good. So, what are your yeah, thoughts there? I mean, you you've had to play them four times or five times. I mean, how do you feel about USF? Me? Yeah. Oh man. Um, <laughs> and you're from the Tampa area, aren't you? Yeah. Because you went to yeah, Armwood High School. Be, I gotta be careful right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I I respect the program, uh, but I definitely love whipping them. Yeah. Do the coach? <laughs> like, I I enjoy the rivalry. I enjoy it. I don't really understand it. I don't know why we're rivals, <laughs> but I love it. And I think that's what's so fun about college football is stuff like that. Yeah. So, uh, do the coaches get really you into it? it? I mean, do well, the coaches? You saw the painting I did. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, they did, of... just a little marketing in there. If you if you go pre-order, uh, Aaron put up a link. We'll, we'll make sure to put his Twitter handle in this episode at the end. But you can get yourself an awesome poster of Horns Down as we beat the Bulls available for pre-order yeah. right now. So make sure you get up there and order that, guys. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Of course. Yeah. But, but um, yeah, no. Uh, I, I think it's a fun rivalry. I'm, I'm glad that it is so heated. I would like for their program to pick back up again so that the games are more um, exciting for right. the fans and everybody. Right. We'd like to win them all, but we'd like them to... Yeah, but it's more fun when it's a challenge. Yeah. Exactly. It's more satisfying. I want to ruin their I want to ruin their conference title hopes. <laughs> the conference title they've never won and continue to never win. Did you see that awesome tweet where someone put out that the USF podium, which was like a clear glass... Also doubles as their trophy case. Yeah, that was a that was a good that was a good message. <laughs> wasn't even UCF or USF Hate Week that. that no, time it wasn't. And, I, and also just a, a small little note because you know there was another thing flying around about how Jeff Scott might be the only one that knows how to beat us. Because apparently the only career touchdown he's ever had was against UCF. 
So that's an interesting little statistic there. You know what? I hope that's the same statistic next year when we're I talking about so this. Too. That'll be great. And we shut them out. Or, they, or at least they just score, score like maybe a field goal or two. Yeah. <laughs> well, last thing we're going to talk about here with college football news, and then we're going to move on. Uh, there's a game this week. It's the only game going on. It's America's game. Uh, Army versus Navy. Great game. Historical game. And obviously it's great for us because it has a conference, uh, a conference affiliate with us with Navy who uh, had a great year this year. They went 9-2. and two. And their coach is up for a call, for a coach of the year. I mean, they're kind of one of those programs that, like, you know, every two to three years they just get up there and they just hammer. They're such a hard team to play. I mean, whenever you play tri- triple option, it's as a coach, it's just a nightmare because you yeah. have to completely you you get used to playing so many spread teams over the course of the week, and your game plan is doesn't really have to be changed too much. You can just make a couple tweaks. And then you're okay. Right. And then you have to play a triple option team where you're just like, holy crap! What <laughs> everything gets thrown out the window. It's like, okay, everything you learned the last six weeks is irrelevant. Now we have to focus on this one team and change. And that's why those. Uh, that's why the academy schools do it because you don't obviously have the talent to run something like a spread, which is why Georgia Tech was, you know, they, they struggled for so long. And when Paul when uh, Paul Johnson came in and put in the triple option, they were competitive. Because it's an engineering school where sixty percent of the students are female, and you have such a high GPA to get in, sometimes you gotta tweak your offense to the people coming to your school. So with that said, uh, you know it's gonna be two triple option teams, so they'll be prepared for each other. Obviously, bitter rivals, and uh, I'm rooting for Navy, obviously, because you know I want our conference to be on the national spotlight and win. And I think Army's having kind of a down year. They had two great years back to back. I think they won the last two. They did, and yeah. so they, I think they had nine wins or more the last two years. And so, uh, you know, Navy comes in a better team than they were the last two years and might beat a 5-7 and seven Army team. Well, that's, uh, that's the bulk of our program, but let's talk about a few other sports here uh, that UCF's doing. Basketball's a big one. It's starting off. We're sitting at 7-2 and two right now. We've had four straight wins mm-hmm. coming off. Um, our last loss was at the, the, the beginning of that tournament. We lost to... Uh, we lost to Penn. We lost to Penn. Yep. But we've won four straight. We're looking good. We just beat... Uh, what was it? New Jersey Institute of Technology. Mm-hmm. We beat them over the weekend, and then we played um, Green, Green Bay. Bay. Yeah, the Green Bay. Phoenix. The Packers. The yeah. Packers <laughs> came to town, which is great. So we got we got two wins there. We're looking good. You know, our, our team is looking good. It's uh, it's fun to watch. There's the the crowd's not there yet, but I think it's because of the the competition. Yeah, if you look at the stretch of who we had and who we have, I mean, the next couple games aren't exactly setting. We got a Sacred Heart as a team that we're going to be playing soon, and then. Um, before we play a huge other opponent, we have um, what's the other one? After, oh, we got oh. we got Bethune Cookman, right? Which is kind of cool because it's local. I mean, Bethune's right up the road in Daytona, so that'll be a fun basketball game. And then we get to play Oklahoma, who is you know they play in a, in a basketball heavy conference that has teams like you know Texas and and, and uh, Kansas, which is always a national title contender. So Oklahoma, you know, the home of uh, Blake Griffin, who's a big-time NBA player. So that'll be fun. We get them at, at Oklahoma. And, and uh, Trey Young, I think. Who's yeah, a, Trey Young. That's right. Trey Young played for well. them, and he's now lighting it up in Atlanta. So got a couple low games, but then we get conference play, and we start off with a bang at Temple. Yeah, and our conference is no slouch. I mean, no. we're one of the tougher conferences. And this year with Memphis having the, the number one recruit playing for them. I yeah, mean, I mean, when you look at, like, traditional basketball, you, UConn's obviously still playing basketball, and they're, they've won multiple national titles in the last you know decade and then you've got uh, Memphis like you mentioned Temple is a great basketball program Cincinnati is a perennial top 25 program uh, we have Wichita State that joined our conference that's a very good basketball program so it, USF was actually 
known for the first 15 years of their athlete because they had a decent basketball team. And that's a big reason why they got into the Big East was because they had a solid basketball program. So um, you know, that's we're a good basketball conference. We're not we're not a slouch by any means. I, I would argue we're better than, you know, most of the quote unquote power conferences that you have um, in football. And, and when it comes to basketball, so that, I think it's going to be a, a fun stretch where we get to see what this team's made of. And uh, you know, some of our players who have been doing really well, Colin Smith obviously has been having some good games. Yeah, so um, been having great games. Our transfer from uh, Alabama has stepped right in. And, uh, yeah, and Dazon Ingram. He's, he's had, been having some great he's games. He's been great. But what's been really impressive is the two freshmen on the team who are Ooh, playing. I love those kids, Fuller and Green Jr. <laughs> yeah. yeah, guys, if you have not gone to a UCF basketball game yet, we've got two true freshmen that are just balling. And I and they and I'll be honest, they don't look like freshmen. Right. They look like grown ass men. They look bigger <laughs> than I do, but they are bigger than I than I am. I think they're both at least six four or taller. I'm six four, and you know they play guard and they're great shooters. They hustle to the ball. Um, they attack the rim. Uh, and the fact that they're freshmen. I mean, when you come to UCF to play basketball, you're not coming to UCF thinking you're going to go to the NBA in a year. You're coming to UCF because you're going to get four years. You're going to get a degree, and hopefully after your senior year, you'll get a look. And you know, so we got two kids that can really elevate our program over the next three to four years and help us get some other recruits and really build another uh, NCAA tournament team. Well, we've got a game this Sunday against Sacred Heart. Um, that is, uh, they are six and four currently. So if you want to see a game, come out this Sunday, check that out. Um, let's move on. U- UCF men's soccer, the season's over, but uh, you got a couple notes here. I do, uh, yeah. Um, what do got, you got for us? We got, we got two players um, that are actually invited to join the MLS or Major League Soccer Showcase. It's the first year they're doing that. It's like their equivalent of like the NBA, the NFL Combine, um, which they had an MLS Combine for a few years. That kind of fizzled out. So they're having this new showcase last for three days. Starts tomorrow and it goes through the 15th. So two UCF players that played the last four years for us um, are invited to go, which means that they could be in the MLS Super uh, Super Draft a top pick. Um, so you got Cal Jenning, who was the American Conference Player of the Year last year, led the conference with 20 goals. This year he had 18. Had multiple offensive players of the week, so you know he's a big time player for us. Who can I think could be a high pick in the MLS draft? And then you've got um, Luis Perez, who's another great player for us. Uh, he's he had he led the team in assists this year, and he's going to be showcasing as well. So two really good players um, who have the opportunity to go play professionally soccer, which is pretty amazing. And hopefully, you know they get a look for because uh, they are young. They you know, they might be able to play for like the you know the the young Olympic team and work their way into Team America, which would be pretty awesome. Which is that, that's the creme de la creme of soccer for us. For, so <laughs> well, very cool. They're representing UCF well. Um, our Orlando Magic, uh, you know, have have Ooh. lost a couple games lately. They're eleven and thirteen right now. Yep. yep. Um, I they, think we're still number eight in the. We're number eight in as a seed though, so we're still in the in the hunt. Okay. Good. And we're not we're not quite uh, quarter. What are we? Uh, there's we're, we're games, little, so we're we're a little past the quarter. Okay. Mark, so. All right, and we just lost to the Lakers the other night. Uh, LeBron James came into town. I think we lost by nine. We did, and, I mean, LeBron James is playing like a man who somehow found the fountain of youth, and he's 10 years younger, so he just looked crazy good. I mean, did, you, uh, did you see that awesome block that Mo Bamba had on I him? did. Yeah, I that did. was a good highlight. It looked like it might have been a little bit of a foul, too. Uh, but I would, so don't look, don't look too close. Yeah. <laughs> um, we got three games coming up. Pelicans that are 6-19. and 19. Um, they, they still don't have Zion back, right? Yeah, I think Zion might miss most of the year, actually. So. Okay. So we he, got, had that, he had that knee scare, so... We got a good shot on that one. Jazz are uh, 14-11, and 11, and then we got the Nuggets, who are 14-8. and 8. So two tough games after that Pelicans game. but yeah. um, And they got two great players when you have Donovan Mitchell for uh, Utah, who had a monster dunk last night. Like, it was a Sports Center top 10 play. It was amazing. And then you've got, I believe his name is Nikolai Jokic, yep. uh, who plays for um, the Nuggets, who is who was kind of like a came-out-of-nowhere kind of player. Like, 
He was drafted. No one expected really anything of him, and he has just been balling out. So he's another really good player. Thick guy, too. I think he's like 6'11", almost 300 pounds. Like, he, he can move the ball, and he can move you out of the way. He's a power forward, so he's their best player. So two really good opponents. Um, I mean, if we can knock them. I think they're the 5 and 6 seed in the West, respectively, which the West is always a lot stronger than our Eastern Conference. So that should be two really good games for the Magic. Well, let's uh, let's go to our last segment here with our special guest, uh, Aaron Evans, who's been working this whole time on a. Uh, yeah, a, if you a, if you hear that echo when he's talking, it's because he's actually like he's he's painting a mural on the floor, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> so you're, you're getting the yeah. uh, the the live multitasking. Yeah, exactly. It's impressive, really. I mean, this man's a Division One football player. He's an artist, and he's he can work and talk at the same time. I can't do that, so. So he, he was an O-lineman for UCF. His time at UCF, he started in 2013. He redshirted that year, and then he played the next four years um, all the way to 2017. Played in 36 games at left tackle and right tackle. He's out of... Uh, well, started 36 games. Don't excuse me. Short. Excuse me. I'm short. Started. How many, played how, almost 50. I was going to say, how many, how many games did you start your freshman year? Uh, my freshman year, I started two, I think. One oh, wow. or two. And then... Um, I didn't do so hot the Ireland game. My first start was the Ireland game. Oh wow! So you, uh, your first start was against Penn State and Ireland. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> what a what, what a way to kick off your career. How was the? Oh, uh, that was definitely nerve wracking. <laughs> I've never really talked about that with anybody, but yeah, that was a crazy, crazy thing for me. How are the fans over there? I mean, most of them probably uh, didn't even did, know how the sport worked. We were sort of locked in the hotel the whole week, so I didn't really get to. Okay. Anybody. I could imagine that George O'Leary didn't want you guys wondering too much. But my buddy, no, uh, too much, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> my buddy uh, Jeff Ru- or our buddy R- Jeff Ruberg, he actually got a piece commissioned by you. I think it was the um, the stadium and then uh, like a blast yeah. off. Yeah. So he went to that game and he saw you there, but uh, he's he's got a scarf that he brought back that. I think it calls us the what does it say? It's not the Golden Knights. It's something really like the Fighting Knights or something. Like they oh, mis- really? <laughs> they misprinted something horrible on the uh, on the scarf, and he's got it at his wall at home. So that's a cool little memorable piece. <laughs> um, so you played for Sefner Armwood in high school, which is like a powerhouse uh, football team. I think they just lost in the semis or the quarters this year. Yeah, no, they, the, they made it pretty. They make it that deep like every year. They're they're a solid football program. I actually went to they're a cool, consistently very good. I went to a, a, a training when I was a teacher a couple years ago at, at Armwood. And I remember in the middle of the training, they made an announcement saying all football players report for film watch, like like during like period seven or something like that. And I was just, I just had to pause for a second. I was like, they really just dismiss all the football players for film? That's freaking awesome. Like, if only we could do crap like that. But, you know, that's, that's the difference between a state champion, you know, powerhouse and, you know, the schools I've coached at. So there's that. So playing... Playing at Armwood, I mean, you're a little closer to Tampa there. How were you recruited by USF? Uh, yeah, USF offered me. Um, I it was too close to home, and I really I don't like their campus at all. So okay, so, so you wanted to get away. You <laughs> yeah. wanted to be out on your own. Yeah, I wanted to get out of out of my hometown. I wanted to kind of spread my wings, so to speak. I mean, I didn't go too far, but I wanted enough to challenge myself. Right. And, um, you couldn't it was just... a good experience for me. I would love. I'm, I would not change anything. That's awesome. If I had a chance. Well, so. good deal. Um, yeah, I mean, you were far enough away where you you couldn't drive your uh, your laundry home for your mom to do. You had to actually. <laughs> oh no! Listen, I would though. <laughs> <laughs> we all did. <laughs> yeah, ask her. She, I, I would. She was. I was notorious for it. <laughs> She's like, "When's the last time you did laundry?" I was like, "I just bought more underwear, mom." <laughs> 
Well, in 2013, you were you redshirted that year, and I don't think we've ever talked to anybody about a uh, a redshirt season and how that works and what it's like to be a redshirt. Can you give us some inside, uh, you know, knowledge on being a redshirt and and any stories that go along with it? Um, yeah, it was just a, it's a really heavy development year. I was 265 when I got to UCF, and um, I ended my senior year at like 320. Wow, um, that's talk about games. <laughs> yeah, no, I I got accused of roiding that between my uh, junior year and senior year because I put on like 20 pounds in like four months, just three months, something like that. I got huge because I just changed my diet. But um, no, it was a I just needed to get bigger and stronger, and I think I needed to like refine myself more as a player. And um, so that I took practice really seriously. I mean, I think it's important for red shirts to take practice really seriously, but. Um, but it's, it's just a lot of growth. They, they saw a lot in me, so they made me travel. They asked me to travel, made me, whatever, um, every week. So I got to go to every game that season. Um, it was a cool experience to, like, going from little old Sefner to Division One college football. Absolutely. What was it like at that, uh, that Louisville game where we had, like, the last second touchdown by Bortles to Godfrey? What was that oh. like? That game was bananas. Oh my gosh. I I remember that vividly. Like I just could not believe that season, man. Oof. It was an amazing season. season. I mean if we if we just would have squeaked past South Carolina, Lord knows where we could have ended up. Oh I think we would have seen similar the same success that we're seeing now. Absolutely. Um, but it might have been escalated. Escalated? Yeah. Elevate. I don't know. Either way, it would it would have been an explosion. So I mean, do you have any, yeah. do you have any cool like yes. stories or experiences that you know, as being that you got to play with such big players like Blake Bortles, Rashad Perryman, Storm Johnson, like players that obviously like um, there was like, so many NFL one, talent on that team. One of my favorite uh, things was watching Blake Bortles um, on the Friday morning walkthroughs because he commanded the deep, uh, whole offense. Like he just like knew the field he knew what was going on it was like you could just tell he was so confident so fluid in the in the offense and it was just really fun to watch because like um as an as a lineman it's it's fun to watch a quarterback who plays confidently and it's fun to protect a quarterback who's going to make you right yeah is he was he similar to how he's portrayed now as kind of just like a laid-back kind of guy who you know just rolls with the punches yeah Okay, but he, yeah, I'm a diehard Jacksonville Jaguar fan, unfortunately, and I was so my, my wife and I, I remember vividly the draft that he was drafted. We were sitting there, and Khalil Mack was supposed to be our pick at number three, and I'm just sitting there. I was like, "There's no way we take Bortles," but I would love it. And then they said it, and my wife and I just lost our minds, screaming with joy, knowing that we had a, a UCF uh, knight who was going to be the quarterback of our team. So I thought it was really cool, and I, I wished I, I was hoping for so much more. And I, I think. As bad as Jacksonville is right now, it clearly shows that maybe he wasn't the total problem there. It wasn't. It wasn't Bortles at all. It's the coaching. Yeah, when you have coaches the, never want to point fingers. They want to keep trading players, and they don't want to point like they, they don't point fingers right at the actor themselves for having so many inconsistencies. Amen to that. Don't get, don't get this guy started. I will. I, I, well, yeah, I will happily go down this road with you one day, and Listen, we can just. I get. Don't even get me started, man. I have a whole other, this stuff drives me up a wall. I'm like, you got these talented players because you guys won't get out of your own damn way and let them play. Yes, yes, yes. Good, Preach. good. 
Well, let's keep it on you. <laughs> let's keep it on UCF. Let's get out of this Jaguar okay. hole before we go too far. Whatever Bills fan. Um, <laughs> uh, you, you played for a couple different coaches here. So you played for George O'Leary and you played for Frost. Um, those guys are radically different. What was it like being a team, or like on the team, having those coaches? Like, what were the differences for you as being a player? Uh, happiness and <laughs> anger. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I can definitely see that. Is that, is that a good enough answer? Yeah, I think it's a great back. answer. Moffitt had, had a very that's similar final answer. answer. Okay, all right, we won't press you on No, that. no, 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 it was just, no, it was a, I had a much better time with Frost. The amount of respect he showed his players um, as a coach that utilizes talent on the team uh, instead of trying to shove a round peg in a square hole or, or square peg in a round hole or whatever the saying goes. Um, he does a good job at making sure the players are going to um, excel. So were there any things that, that when Frost came in, was there anything that he immediately let you do that maybe George O'Leary was like, no, nah, this isn't allowed. You can't do Beards. This. What is it? <laughs> beards. If you wanted facial hair. Oh, so George O'Leary didn't allow any beards on the team. Well, like he would, but it was just always like, sounds so stupid talking about it now. <laughs> <laughs> like, straight up. I'm just thinking about it, and I'm like, why? But why? Especially, especially in the world that we were living in, like, it didn't matter. We're football players. Right. But, um, no. Yeah, that was something small. Okay. Um, talking, on, talking at dinner during the games, before the games. Just little things. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. I mean, I, I know there's a lot of authoritarian coaches that are very like militaristic, but yeah, my buddy is Stephen Moffat, who played uh, football for UCF in the in the early 2000s, and he actually was at the front end of uh, George O'Leary's tenure, where he was coached by Coach Kruschek as a freshman, and then George O'Leary comes in, and the stories he said are obvious are, are very unpleasant. He was not a big fan. And I'll just leave it like that. He, uh, he said he wants yeah. to give more stories in the future on that, but he cracks me up when he talks about GOL. <laughs> yeah, I have had bad dreams. I'm just like, the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we know you've had some real highs being on UCF's team, but you also experienced the uh, the 2015 year that was the 0-12 year for UCF. What was it like going through that season, knowing that you guys had some talent on the team and – it just wouldn't come together. It's ironic because that's the, pretty much the same talent that we used to win the 13-0 season. Yeah. But um, uh, it was a – it changes you. I'm not going to lie. Not to sound like overly profound and like and stuff, but losing like that and like spending so much effort and time training and preparing and and then essentially embarrassing yourself week in and week out it's very frustrating it's very frustrating and it does a lot to you your character wise really makes you question why you do stuff you know um it taught me a lot though it taught me don't be a busy fool that's the best way to say it um and what what do you mean by that um it's really easy to work all all the time and always have something to do but you could be just wasting your time because it's not smart practices it's not it's not productive or it's not efficient or whatever. So yeah, you're busy, but you're doing stupid tasks that aren't adding to the end goal. So you could work an eight hour day, but have nothing to show for it. And the guy that worked a three hour day was very efficient the whole time. 
has way more to show for it, you know. So amen to that. That's a great life lesson right there. So that's, awesome. that's, that's really well said. That's really what I got from it. I think because um, I didn't work any harder um, for the thirteen and zero season, preparing for it. You know, right. I didn't do anything different. I went to all the same workouts. I did all the same sprints. I did whatever, but um, connecting those dots doing things intelligently makes a huge 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 difference well luckily that wasn't your uh your last experience at ucf i feel bad for seniors oh, to go out on that man it was close though oh right. man really so you were thinking yeah, about not playing quitting that year oh wow yeah, i was like because I, I didn't want to be with that staff anymore i was just over it i was over being in that environment so, so was the new um, staff part of the reason that you decided to ultimately come whole, back that's that's the whole reason I stayed. Otherwise, I was gone. Oh, wow. Well, that's, well we're glad you stayed, man, because <laughs> you helped build something that was pretty amazing at UCF. We go 13-0, and 0, win, a, win, another, win, a, win a Peach Bowl, you know, get the national title, all, all the wonderful things that came with that season. What was that experience like? I mean, obviously, like I said, you have a great redshirt freshman year where you get to experience Bortles and his magic, you get the lowest of the low, and then you end your career on another such a high where we're the only undefeated college football team. What was that like? It was glorious, honestly. It was a little sour, though, because when Frost left, it kind of like, like when we won the conference championship, that's when everything got announced. And that was, like, it got a little bit soured, I'm not going to lie. How much did you expect that, you know, going into uh, the game? I think there was a lot of murmurs and rumors, and I think we were all kind of like hearing about it, hoping it wasn't true, but we kind of all knew deep down. Yeah. That, did um, Frost address it in any way before that? or No, yeah. it, it, we all found out at halftime. Right. Wow. But I mean, he didn't say like, "Don't listen to the noise" or anything like that. He didn't lie to you. Obviously. Yeah, he was like, he's like, no, he's like, just lock back in. I'll talk to y'all after the game. Yeah, and it was just a mess. Uh, <laughs> I can imagine. But yeah. I mean, when you when you have that kind of se- when that kind of season with that kind of, se- I think Frost leaving was the perfect storm. Where if he was going to go anywhere, it was going to be Nebraska, and that just so happened to yeah. be the year that Nebraska has such a bad year, and then they open up. It was like the perfect. Because if that would have yeah, happened the year, was, pri- if that would have happened the year prior when UCF goes six and six, they're not getting Scott Frost. No. Yeah. So not I, at all. I think that was just the but perfect. I, I think personally, hindsight twenty twenty, I think and if I if it mattered what I thought, I don't think Frost should have left. Um, I just think he would have been better off staying at UCF and building that program up to an even higher status. Yeah. And then going. So he got because he only I mean, he barely got his sea legs as a coach, like, yeah. As a head coach, you know, he just hit the lottery as soon as he got in it. <laughs> exactly, and then and then you're going to one of the most you can argue you know one of the most volatile. I wouldn't say volatile is the word, but definitely aggressive and proud fan bases in college football with such a prestigious program as Nebraska, and you got to try to live up to that expectation. That's just, that's not easy on anyone who only has two years of head coaching experience. Yep. I imagine he has some regret, but, you know, hopefully eventually it'll pay off for him. I like the dude. You know, he, he had to do what no, he had to I, do. No, I have no ill will towards him. I hope he I hope he has the same success at Nebraska. Right. If I'm going to be honest. I just I right. think he should have left. Yep, I'm <laughs> with you. Well, let's talk about you, man. You're, you're doing some different stuff than football now. You've got a career going. Um, you're – you're working and not working, apparently. At, at, I know, at, it's pretty you're talking to us. So, I mean, is that your career? Yeah. Are you an artist now? Is that is that all you can say? Yeah, this is my main breadwinner. This is what I've been doing pretty much since I quit. And it's been 
Uh, God's been really good. That's really the best way I can put it. Uh, I've had a lot of success up to this point. Um, I just got recently asked to be a speaker at Art Palooza in Orlando. Oh, cool. Um, That's awesome. And, and like host an event there and we got to ask you another a speaker or something else. So I think public speaking is um, an avenue that's going to start to emerge in my life. Um, so I'm excited about that. But I got a lot to learn, a lot to grow. But um, no, yeah, art's been a blast. I can't even believe it that this is my job. What got like, you into art? I mean, were you doing that in high school or did you go to college for art? No, I, uh, I've always done art as a hobby, just for fun. Um, I always like doing things that were realistic. I thought it was really satisfying to, I don't know, when the lines click, it's really fun to watch. Like for me, like as an artist, I guess, it's fun, it's fun to feel that when, all the, when the picture comes together. Absolutely. So I just always enjoyed it and um, just always did it in my spare time. Like if I was in meetings, I was doodling. If I was in class, I was doodling. If I'm in church, I'm doodling. If I'm anywhere, I'm doodling. Right. Um, so I always just did it and um, got better and better over the years. And this year, I decided to, like, at the beginning of the year, one of my New Year's resolutions was to take my art seriously instead of um, always doing it as, like, a hobby. So I never put my effort into it. And I was like, you know, I'm going to just take it seriously for once in my life. And... Um, I started painting some stuff and it started to sell and I was like, okay, so this could be viable. And then here I am. <laughs> what's your, uh, what's your like favorite medium to work with? I mean, you're obviously I use painting. acrylic primarily. Okay. Um, it's just easiest to me. It's, it's fast drying quick. Uh, and it's just, I don't know, it's forgiving too. So if I mess up, just paint over it. <laughs> <laughs> What would you say is uh, what would you say is your favorite piece of art you've done so far? Ooh, so I did this jacket and I didn't get any really. No one noticed it. I don't know why, but whatever. But uh, <laughs> I did this jacket with a neon light around this girl's face, and I really enjoyed that piece. I think it's really cool. And then um, I did this Lamb of God painting. Um, it's on my Instagram, but it's a lion and a lamb and a dove surrounding it. It's just like a testimonial piece for me and stuff like that. So like is, Trinity. is that where people can see most of your work is on your Instagram? Yeah, you can go to my website. There's uh, more on my website. Okay, what's your website? Uh, King-Frog.com. King King whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> now you got another question. What is King Frog? What's that? Um, so uh, when my dad was playing basketball in high school and college um he would listen to this song by neil diamond i am i said okay and there's a line in that song that says there once was a frog who dreamed of being a king and then became one okay that's awesome it and i would listen to that song before every game um as well what's that um, song again i'm gonna give that a listen later uh, I am I said by Neil Diamond. All right. I am I said. Okay. Yeah. And if and so, if you're listening to this, you know, go again. Go to www.king-frog.com. You'll see that poster that we made a mention to. It's I'm looking at the website right now. You can pre-order it. It's got Nitro throwing the the, the horns down, sitting standing on top of the bull. 
uh, for the war on I-4. You can actually, I'm looking at the Lamb of God painting and that looks freaking awesome. So some beautiful artwork you can go check out. Make sure you go take a look at his website. Uh, you can find him on Twitter. His Twitter handle is A underscore Evan 66. So go give him a like, give him a follow. You'd be able to keep up on his artwork there. And, you know, we're going to be posting some stuff regarding him. So make sure you check out our Twitter because we'll be tagging him in it. Um, Aaron, thank you for taking the last hour to spend time with us. It was an awesome, awesome. We'd love to have you back on sometime in, in the future if you ever want to come back on and uh, talk football and life. Yeah, I would love to. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. You have a great night. You too. And thank everybody for joining us tonight. This has been another episode of Three Night Bender. Yeah, give us a like on Twitter. Again, our, our Twitter handle is Three Night Bender. You can find me at, at Coach Boozosh. You can find Todd at, at HauserTube. Uh, give us a like on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes. And again, thank you for listening. Have a good night.